Hey everyone, good morning and happy Thanksgiving. Welcome to the latest episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Martinez. On a Thursday, you know what day it is. November 28, 2019, it is Thanksgiving. I say good morning, depending on what time you're listening to the podcast. It will be a very early um, published episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I want to get the episode out before the games start. And on Thanksgiving, uh, the games start an hour earlier than what they do on Sunday. So whatever time, I mean, you adjust your schedule uh, accordingly. This will be published on Thanksgiving. Um, so if you're listening to this, the games may or may not have already passed. Um, but I appreciate you stopping by regardless. If you're listening um, pre-game to your Thanksgiving meal, if you're listening to this pre-game, your pre-game, if you're, if you're getting ready to watch the games, uh, we're going to take care of you. We're going to be picking all three Thanksgiving games today. Those are our three games. It's unfortunate, really, that we don't even get the best game of the week, the Ravens and the 49ers, the game I really, really want to get into and talk about, um, but they don't play on Thursday. And I thought, well, why not just throw it in there and do a bonus edition, um, but I didn't want to, so we're not going to do it. We're only going to do three games a week. That's what we've done all year long. We're going to stick to that. And we got some good games today, uh, that Ravens and 49ers game, no doubt. Probably Super Bowl preview, maybe game of the year, potentially. But it's Thanksgiving. We don't want to talk about Sunday. We want to enjoy Thanksgiving. It's the only Thursday of the year that people realistically care about. Now, we have our episodes come out every single Thursday, but nobody cares. Okay, no one's looking forward to the Crowd Noise podcast. There's no anticipation for the newest Crowd Noise podcast. Not even for myself. Okay, I'm going to be quite honest with you. There is anticipation for Thanksgiving, for games. You don't even, it doesn't even have to be your team's. And maybe to a lesser extent, players on your fantasy team. And the games still feel pretty meaningful just because it's Thanksgiving. It's a time-tested tradition. Alliteration aside, um, it, it's, a, it's tons of fun. Everyone goes out, plays their own uh, turkey bowl in the backyard. It, it's just a great day. So we're going to be doing all Thanksgiving games today. Uh, we're going to be telling you uh, what I am most thankful for in sports right now and I've compiled a list here and it's uh it's a pretty big list I realize that I am more I'm thankful for more things than what I may have uh initially thought I was trying to uh, come up with the list what am I thankful for in sports is it players it teams um and I was having a little bit of trouble coming up with a list and then the wheels start turning uh and I have a whole list of things and teams and players and people and movers and shakers all kinds of stuff that I am thankful for. We are going to be sharing that with you today. But for all oh, then we have the quote of the week. It's going to be tons of fun. A quote of the week should be uh, a good one, I assume. And again, it is uh, somewhat Thanksgiving related. So we will tie the whole thing in a nice little knot to end the show. But first, I want to get this out of the way. Because it's, it's Thursday. It's Thanksgiving. Um, it's football. Okay, NFL football. Not really worried about college right now, but there is some pretty big news. There's some big games this week, and it is rivalry week. Had to take a minor pause there to make sure I got the enunciation of that correctly. Rivalry week. Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook. Okay, 
We will be doing our college, uh, our top 10 college rankings. We will be picking our three college games, and then we're going to get, it's going to be all football from there, all NFL football after that. So if you want to fast forward, you're more than welcome to do that. If you want to leave the podcast running, I would super appreciate that because all the, uh, I, I need the analytics. Again, I am unsullied by sponsors, as Ernie Johnson would say. Um, so if you, and you want to go back to watching the Macy's Day Parade, I am all for that. I will probably be watching the Macy's Day Parade as you're listening to this currently. Um, or if you want to stick around and listen to some college football, that's even better. So here we go. We're going to start from number 10 to 1 as we normally do. Uh, number 10, Penn State. Number 9, Baylor. Number 8, Minnesota. Number 7, Oklahoma. And here's where things really start to get interesting. Uh, I feel like the true contenders to make the playoffs Number six, the Utah Utes. Number five, Alabama. And the top four remains mostly the same. Number four, Georgia. Number three, Clemson. And the biggest move of the weekend, Ohio State jumping LSU and moving to number one, uh, Ohio State number one in the nation. LSU drops down one to number two. Uh, Ohio State beat Penn State pretty handily. They they played kind of ugly in the second half, and it was still a double-digit win for them, so that was a pretty good resume win for them. They were at home, but I don't think anyone needed to be proven that Ohio State is amongst the best teams in the country. I personally give the nod to LSU, and that is a per- personal preference, only because of their resume, and their resume is going to stack up with Anyone in the country, okay? I don't, I don't care who you put up against LSU. Their resume is not, it's just not going to compete. Um, and I think it's so strong, and I've said this before. LSU's resume is so powerful. If they were to lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game, they're still getting in, okay? Their resume is that strong. Uh, they're at number two. So even if they were to drop, you would assume Georgia and LSU would probably swap places, right? Because it'd be hard for you to... Um, just move up Georgia one spot after beating LSU and then put Clemson in number two. And that could happen. It could very well be Clemson going number two, Georgia three, and LSU four. Either way, LSU would go to four. And then any combination, a coin flip of uh, Clemson and Georgia in the two and three spots. I don't see Georgia leapfrogging all the way into number one over Ohio State and Clemson. That that, that wouldn't happen. Uh, I assume Clemson being undefeated, they probably would go to number two. Um, so let's look at the, out, the teams on the outside. You have Alabama and Utah, and to a lesser extent, Oklahoma. They're not, they're not getting in, okay? I don't know how many, how many times I have to tell you. The Oklahoma Sooners, they're not getting into the college football playoff, and I don't want to see them in the college football playoff. They have done nothing but disappoint. Every opportunity that they've had in the college football playoff these past two years, I mean, but both, both uh, years... They had an opportunity to get into the national championship and potentially win it. And then they lay an egg and they get steamrolled by teams in the SEC. I don't need to see that again. They would just run into Buzzsaw, Ohio State. I mean, it's not going to happen. They'd have to jump over one, two, three teams, Utah, Alabama, and Georgia. I don't see. I mean, even though those teams aren't very strong. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay, Alabama, uh, they're minus one to a tug of Iloa. They're not going to be in the SEC championship game. Okay, I'll give you that one. Utah, uh, their conference championship game isn't going to mean nearly as much now. because Oregon dropped all the way down to 14. So if you're Utah, if you win the conference, uh, your best win of the season would be on a neutral field against the number 14, number 14 team in the country. It's not... 
as strong as a resume win as if uh, Oregon were number four or five or six, obviously. And then Georgia's probably going to lose to LSU. And even with all of that, I still don't see Oklahoma jumping over three teams. I think that if Georgia were to lose, which I mean, they most likely are, um, I think Alabama would just slide right in there. Even without Tua, they're probably still amongst the four best teams in the nation. And then Utah's not going to have the resume. And if it comes down, think about this. I guess you could say Oklahoma will have a better shot of getting in than Utah. I will give you that because... If it comes down to the eye test and resume, and we're choosing between three teams, let's say let's just say Georgia loses, right, and the top three teams remain the same, which we assume we assume they will. Ohio State, LSU, Clemson. There's now three teams vying for one spot, being Alabama, Utah, and Oklahoma. If they were all to remain at a at one loss, you have uh, Oklahoma being a one loss conference champion. You'd have Utah being a one-loss conference champion, and you'd have Alabama being a one-loss uh, not conference champion, but they are the Alabama Crimson Tide. So they have that going for them. Uh, okay, I would say out of those three teams, the first one you could eliminate would be Utah because they do play in the Pac-12. Their one loss was pretty ugly. Uh, out of the three teams, Alabama would have the best Loss, even though it was at home, they did lose to LSU, who has steamrolled everybody. I mean, they've beaten everyone. That's why I like LSU so much. Their resume is strong, and they haven't lost yet. Uh, they're still undefeated. Uh, I assume they will remain that way until you know potentially they run into Georgia, but that that remains to be seen. Alabama would have the best loss of those three schools. They would, however, though, be the only school to not have a conference championship. And so we start to go to the eye test. We start to go to uh, resume, okay? And I know what you're going to say. Alabama doesn't play anyone. They play the Citadel. They play Western Carolina. Uh, okay, fair. That is fair, okay? Because Alabama, they do have a pretty bad schedule. But Oklahoma and Utah, they're not playing killers either, okay? They're not playing these these top 25 teams. The Big 12 and the Pac-12 are two of the weaker conferences in college football this year. So, I mean, Oklahoma and Utah do not have, I would say, the resume that stacks up against Alabama either. Um, and I would still give the nod to Alabama despite being down uh, their starting quarterback. Because I think they're just a more well-rounded team. Utah is not going to have the pedigree, the quote-unquote eye test. They're not getting in because, I mean, I, I just don't see it happening. And then conference championship, you beat the number 14 team in the nation, uh, whatever. Oklahoma would have beaten, uh, let's see, number nine, Baylor. I mean, that's, so that's a top 10 win, I guess, but do we really take Baylor all that seriously? I think the committee has set themselves up to get two SEC teams in the playoff regardless of any scenario. If Georgia were to win against LSU, I think that we're all okay with saying LSU deserves to be in, and then Georgia obviously has to be in, being the one-loss SEC champ, they're getting in. Uh, I think if LSU beats Georgia, which is most likely what's going to happen, uh, Georgia would obviously drop I me. Mean, duh. And then Alabama, they're the first team. They're the first team out. So I don't understand how you could just have teams leapfrog them that last week, even with a conference championship, because Utah would have beaten Oregon, who lost to Arizona State. Utah themselves lost to USC. Um, Oklahoma lost to Kansas State. And then they would have beaten Baylor twice. 
Uh, I don't know. I would give the nod to Alabama. At this point in time, I would say Alabama's probably going to be that first team uh, in the playoff should Georgia lose. And again, Georgia can win that SEC game. And I think that would, be the, that would uh, give the committee the most clarity because you're not leaving out LSU. That is just, that's out of the question. So that would, that's probably what the committee is rooting for, is for, for Georgia to beat LSU because it's the easiest scenario possible. The top four stays. Bottom line, you get the top four teams in. And I don't think anyone else would really complain about that. I don't know how you could say Oklahoma deserves to be in over LSU. I really don't know how you could even begin to make that argument. The same for Utah and really the same for Alabama, specifically for Alabama because they lost to LSU. So I don't. Uh, I think the committee is rooting for Georgia to beat LSU. Uh, I don't really care because I think LSU's in regardless, and I'm not partial to Georgia, really. Um, it would create, though, that conversation, those three teams at 5, 6, and 7, who gets in. I think the committee would still give the nod uh, to Alabama. Whoever gets in, they're losing because they're, they're getting Ohio State in the very first round. I, I don't see how anyone's going to beat I think the only team that can beat Ohio State right now are the, or the only few teams that can beat Ohio State are the teams in the playoff, LSU and Clemson. I think those are the only teams who have a chance right now currently uh, to beat Ohio State. Is the top three teams. I don't see Alabama with a backup quarterback getting it done. I don't see Georgia getting it done. And then Oklahoma, as I said, I'm not really all in on Oklahoma. So I don't see how they're beating Ohio State. Specifically with Chase Young, they play defense. Ohio State's well-rounded. Um, hope, I would hope, honestly, that you get LSU Clemson in the first round. Uh, or just any combination of L- as long as it stays like this, LSU Clemson two and three, because I think that guarantees the best possible national championship. Either way, you get Clemson Ohio State or you get Ohio State LSU. That's really what the people want to see. Uh, you're guaranteeing two uh, undefeated teams in the co- in the national championship. Either way, because uh, Ohio State LSU and Clemson are all undefeated, and we imagine for, uh, for the most part Clemson should be undefeated. LSU likely to be undefeated at the end of the season and Ohio State I mean they're just they're beating everybody so they'll be undefeated by the end of the year Um, I think them as well Ohio State if they were to lose their conference championship they're getting in I mean I don't I don't they've they've proven themselves and their resume isn't very strong uh, but they have they have proven themselves I don't I don't need to see much more from Ohio State if they were to lose another uh, a game I wouldn't really hold that against them they've proven themselves uh, to the Crowd Noise Podcast. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get into our college picks for the week where we had another 3-0 and week, make it six straight for the Crowd Noise Podcast, went 3-0 and last week. Uh, had Ohio State over Penn State. Penn State made that game respectable, actually made it more than respectable. They had an ch- opportunity uh, to win that game, but Ohio State just a little bit too much, especially in Columbus. If that's in Happy Valley, maybe that's a different outcome, uh, but I still give the nod to Ohio State. They should have won that game, and they did. Uh, Georgia over A&M, that was a gimme, and then Baylor over Texas, uh, another gimme pretty much. So um, that brings us to this week. It is rivalry week. Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook, um, and we have three really good games here. All top 25 games, actually all top 15 matchups 
uh, for the Crowd Noise podcast this week. It's going to be a little bit competitive uh, for us. We'll start with the Iron Bowl, Alabama and number 15, Auburn, Alabama coming in at number five. Oh, that brings our record uh, on the, I don't think I said my record last week um, for college. So, I mean, my bad, but uh, we are currently 31 and seven picking college games this year. Just phenomenal. Um, We get Alabama and Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Nick Saban said this this week that Auburn's going to be the toughest challenge, the toughest team that they faced all season long. Caught a little bit of heat for that because they played LSU. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that necessarily. I don't I don't think uh, Auburn is a better team than LSU, but I get where he's coming from. In these rivalry games, when the person, I mean, both teams know exactly what the other wants to do they know each other's identity they know how to play against each other and there's a lot of emotion in these games it doesn't matter the rankings truly do not matter in these in these rivalry games when you have ohio state michigan or alabama auburn when you have a usc ucla these usc notre dame these bitter rivalry games it doesn't matter what the rankings are for either team they're going to be close competitive hard-fought games like nine times out of ten. Of course, there will be some blowouts here and there. It's not going to be competitive every single year. But for the most part, these rivalry games, especially the Iron Bowl, it's a bitter rivalry, uh, are going to be extremely hard-fought, tough games. And so I get what Nick Saban is trying to say. Um, I don't necessarily agree that they're the best team that Alabama has played uh, is Auburn, but it will probably be one of the toughest games, if not the most Hard-fought game Alabama will see this year. And especially, you think about it, Alabama was getting blown out in that LSU game. They actually made that game a little bit more respectable. They brought the score a little bit uh, closer. So this game should be more competitive than that. So he might actually have a point uh, a little bit. I will take Alabama on the road. I like Bo Nix. Again, I've said this before in the past or during this season, I like him a lot more if he was not uh, a freshman and Alabama has a lot to play for. This is going to be their last opportunity to make an impression on the committee. Again, they're not going to get into the SEC championship game. So this is their last chance. And it, it, it comes at a, at a very um, opportune time, shall we say, for Alabama. They get Auburn, who's number 15 in the nation, right? It's not Georgia, LSU. Now, let's say like Georgia, if they beat LSU, they'd have a... Well, if Georgia wins, they're getting in bottom line but what the point I'm trying to make is it's not a top 10 opponent not a top five opponent for Alabama but this will be one of the bigger uh games to go on Alabama's resume probably the biggest game on Alabama's resume because the other resume game that they had they lost which was LSU so this is a huge game for Alabama I think it'll be extremely close because you can't tell me that Auburn isn't aware that uh, of Alabama's playoff chances I'm sure they would love to knock them out of the playoff but I'm going to take Alabama cuz I think they're just the better team they will be motivated um and they have they have to have this game they have to have this game uh do the Alabama the Alabama Crimson Tide okay now on to the Big 10 now number 13 Wisconsin on the road against number 8 Minnesota. I like Minnesota. I like PJ Fleck. Been a big uh, fan of his. Kind of the coach that wears his emotion on his sleeves. Has very passionate, very tough, emotional teams. Uh, they're not winning this week, though. As much as I like uh, PJ Fleck, row the boat and Minnesota. It's nice to see a different team 
in the top 10, especially in the, in the Big Ten. Minnesota was, I mean, a, a doormat in that conference. They were terrible. Then P.J. Fleck arrives. All of a sudden, they beat Penn State, and they're a top 10 team in the nation. And by the way, how would we be talking about Minnesota had they won last week? They kind of came into last week's game uh, a little bit over-emotional, kind of like, you know, and you were expecting that, um, kind of stepping all over my toes here a little bit. They were a little bit over-emotional uh, from the week prior, having beaten Penn State. Kind of felt like that was going to happen, but you could understand why. And again, Minnesota was a doormat in the Big Ten. They were awful. I mean, I think they were the worst team in the conference outside of like Rutgers who outside of UTEP was the worst team in the nation in Division I college. I mean, Minnesota was bad, okay? They were in the upper echelon of bad teams. Uh, then P.J. Fleck arrives. It turns the program on its head. They beat Penn State. Huge emotional win for them. And so they came out flat the week after that. I mean, that was to be expected. How would we be evaluating Minnesota if they were still undefeated? They're number eight now. Could you say, I guess, potentially they'd be number six? They would have that Utah spot, uh, maybe even number five. Because, again, Alabama, they're going to have a little bit um, – what am, what am I looking for here? They're not going to be evaluated the same currently because they are lo- they've lost their starting quarterback. You can make an argument Minnesota's number five in the nation right now. They're up, they're up to the fifth spot in the country if they were still undefeated. But they're not, so – here we are. I think Wisconsin is a better team. Uh, they're playing better football now. They kind of had a little bit of skids uh, towards the middle of the season. I think Jonathan Taylor is really going to put a stamp on this football game. I like Jonathan Taylor a lot. He's one of my favorite players in the country. I thought Wisconsin was one of the more uh, well-rounded teams in the nation early on, and they looked like it. I mean, they went like three straight weeks without allowing a single point, and then Jonathan Taylor was, I mean, he just looked like Jim Brown. He was running all over the field. Uh, and then they kind of they stumbled against uh, Illinois. Uh, but I think they get the job done even on the road in Minnesota. And especially, it's going to be a cold game. This is going to be a running atmosphere. This is going to be a big Jonathan Taylor game. I think Wisconsin gets the upset uh, on the road. It may not even be an upset, but as far as uh, the rankings are concerned, this would technically be an upset. And now, sticking with the Big Ten, the big one this week. For the second week straight, we have... The Buckeyes. Uh, number, oh, I put number two here. Number one, Ohio State uh, in the big house against Michigan, number 13 team in the nation. Right now, and it bothered, I was so upset when I saw, you know, you watch, you watch whatever game you're watching, right? And then on the bottom, you see all the scores flash by and you're reading and all that stuff. I was so upset to see Michigan win. Not because I don't like Michigan, but I was upset to see how they won. Michigan is rolling right now i mean they are playing their best football of the year it's not even close they are red hot right now are the michigan wolverines so why does that bother me well i'll tell you it took that long to figure things out this is why people liked michigan so much coming into the preseason i kind of had a little bit uh well i picked ohio state to win the conference uh preseason i knew they were going to be good i didn't think ohio state was going to be this good i mean ohio state is Dominant, but I didn't. Uh, mostly, people were on Michigan to win the conference uh, preseason. Not me, because I'm a psychic. I'm the best. But for the most part, everyone expected Michigan to be a potential playoff team and win uh, the conference. And then they kind of they stumbled out of the gates, 
Things were getting, they were getting worse before they were getting better. Uh, you heard the rumblings and conversation. Jim Harbaugh is done. Is he going back to the NFL? Is he retiring? Is he going to go sit next to Urban Meyer at Fox uh, kickoff Saturday? I don't even, I don't know what the show is called, but you know, the one with Urban Meyer, is he going to go be an analyst? And now all of a sudden, they're one of the hottest teams in the nation. They can win this game, especially being at home. They're playing their best football. They have the Michigan defense that they've been known for in the Harbaugh era. They're playing offense that people expected them to play uh, in the Harbaugh era that's been missing during these prior years. They're finally clicking on offense. Michigan is a dangerous team uh, this week against Ohio State. And yet they're still going to lose. I cannot in good faith, and that's been the theme today. I've been gassing up the, the losing teams in, the, in these first uh, in these games that I've been picking. I'm gassing up Auburn and Minnesota, and now Michigan, and I'm picking them all to lose. But Ohio State's just on a different plane right now. And this will be a close competitive game because, again, it's rivalry week. All of these games are going to be the toughest games for these teams in the season because this game means a little bit more than just playoff implications it's about bragging rights about pride that's what makes college football and really college sports uh, so much fun is the passion uh in in these games in these rivalry games michigan can win this game they can they're playing this this could not have come at a better time this game for michigan because they are playing their best football when they absolutely need to because they get the number one team in the nation coming into the big house this Saturday. From what I've seen from Ohio State, they're just playing a different game right now. I mean, they're, they're just on another level. The way Michigan is playing right now, Ohio State has been playing twice as good as that all year long. I mean, Michigan has an opportunity right now. If they were going to win any game against Ohio State this year, it would be this game right now, this week. I don't see it happening. I think Ohio State's just a little bit too much. Not a little bit. They're too much for just about... Anyone that they face. And I think it's going to be a big Justin Fields day. Um, he'll probably be the difference in this game. A little bit too dynamic for Michigan. I mean, they're, eventually they're going to have to score some points. And their offense has been, uh, I guess, inconsistent. They've been playing much better as of late. But against this Ohio State defense, I don't know if you can count on scoring points in the fourth quarter. I don't know if you can make that guarantee. Like, yeah, we, we, if we get the ball in the fourth quarter, the game's over. I don't know if you can make that statement when talking about Michigan. I will take Ohio State in the big house this week. Now, there are your college football picks. We move now to the Thanksgiving part of the episode and start picking some NFL games. Because it is Thanksgiving, and I want to wish you a very happy uh, Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoy it. And if, you, if you're brave enough to spend your Thanksgiving listening to me i really want to thank you and i really want to send my condolences because uh there's either one or two things either you have no respect for thanksgiving and you just want to prove to yourself that this is a nothing holiday so you want to listen to the crowd noise podcast or two the people you're spending your time with are so vile and obnoxious you'd rather listen to my voice for an hour and a half than spend time with them so either way i want to send my condolences with you if you're listening to this on thanksgiving day but I do appreciate you stopping by. And if you are listening to this on Thanksgiving Day and you're listening to this maybe the weekend after or something like that, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, those are the days of the week. Uh, we thank you for stopping by as well. We always appreciate the guests. But anyway, rewind a little bit. It is, it is Thanksgiving right now. What do we do on Thanksgiving? Well, we eat, of course. But before we do that, we watch some football games. And before we do that, we like to pick the football games. 
uh, specifically at the Crowd Noise Podcast. So that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to be picking the three Thanksgiving games in the NFL. And there are some pretty good games. The two first games are good. And I think I think this was done intentionally, and I'm going to explain this to you. The first two games, the game in the, uh, in the morning, the Bears and the Lions, divisional game, the two teams aren't very good, but I expect it will be a competitive game. The Lions, like, I, I'm... I kind of like the Lions a little bit. I mean, they're not good, but they're not terrible. People don't give them enough credit. Specifically, look, Matthew Stafford's been out. He will be out uh, when they play the Bears. Jeff Driscoll has done a a fine job filling in for Matthew Stafford. I mean, he got thrown into the Wolves, was not expected to play this year, and he's done a fine job. I think that defense is respectable. The Bears, not very good. I actually like the Lions more than I like the Bears. Anyway, I'm giving away the game, the game pick. I want to explain to you why the schedule was built the way it is. The Lions and the Bears should be a competitive game, but they're not very good teams. So it serves as a, somewhat of an appetizer. You watch the game, you think, wow, that was a good game, but it didn't really mean much. Like neither of those teams are getting to the playoffs, but it was a good football game. And so the next game after that, Bills, Cowboys. Two potential, not, poten- not potential, the Bills are going to make the playoffs. The Cowboys are the ones who are potentially uh, a playoff team. But this is a meaningful game. These are two competitive teams who are playing for a lot. Okay, The Bills have to make sure that they avoid playing the Patriots out of the first round because then they're not going anywhere. Um, and the Bills are a good team. This should be a good game. And this will keep you enthralled while, potential, while uh, you're potentially eating at the same time or while you're waiting to eat. The anticipation is through the roof. This will be the marquee game of the afternoon. And then the nightcap is a dump truck. Okay, this is the typical Thursday night football. They couldn't stray too far off brand because all Thursday night games must be terrible. It's the Saints and the Falcons. The Falcons, one of the most embarrassing teams in the NFL. Yes, they're red hot right now. I don't care. Okay, they're still a bad team. They have not played well at all this year except for the past uh, two weeks. I believe two or three weeks they've turned it around. It's like, I don't need to see that now. You should have done that right out of the gates in week one, the Saints are going to steamroll these guys, okay? I'm, I don't expect them to pull this stun off on the Saints. But I will say this. I am glad they put this at the nightcap. And the reason I say that is because this is going to be after you've eaten, right? Most people on Thanksgiving will eat dinner, which is, I don't know why we do this, but we eat dinner at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. That's when the Cowboys game is starting, that 2.30 slot, 2.30, 3.30. I don't know what time zone you're listening from, but like in the afternoon. So that's going to be around when you're eating. So after everything settles, the Cowboy game is over. You switch over to NBC because I think this game is on the Sunday night. It's a Thursday edition of the Sunday night football. It'll be on NBC. You're kind of sleepy. You're not really watching football. You just need something on TV. You need, you need background noise, right? Because everyone's already eaten. Maybe you're just eating. And if you're eating that late, at night on Thanksgiving, I assume you're a very formal family, so you're probably not watching football at the table anyway, and you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast in the first place, but if you know someone like that, you probably will agree with me. They're not watching football if they're eating at 8 o'clock at night on Thanksgiving, if it's not seconds. Like, if they're getting their their seconds at night, well, then that, that's different. Yeah, they're probably watching football, but they put this terrible game on at night, because either people will just not be watching, period, or people will be asleep and have it running on their TV. So I love the schedule that they have uh, for, for the Thanksgiving football today slash tomorrow. Give you a, a sneak peek behind the curtains a little bit. Um, 
I think it's constructed great. They could not have built this lineup any, any better. They've built this lineup like how a Thanksgiving day will go. You, like, you have your mid-morning breakfast slash lunch, because again, we eat dinner at 2 o'clock, uh, which is like the, the Bears and the Lions game. Like, it's good, but you're, you're building for anticipation. Then you, the peak, the climax is in the middle of the day, right? Cowboys and Bills. And then you crash really hard at like 5 o'clock, 6 at night. And that's going to be the Saints and the Falcons game. So here we go. We're going to pick these games now. Finally, after all this anticipation, we will now actually start picking some football games. I kind of showed my hand a little bit talking about the Lions and the Bears. I like the Lions a lot. I mean, I don't like them like as a playoff team. I don't think they're going to be good in, a, in like next year. Like I'm, they're not a two years away team. I just respect them because they are a decent football team, and I think they get a little bit of a bad rap, right? Because they are the Lions. They were the first 0-16 team. They haven't been much better since that season, um, but they are a good football team. They can they can beat some teams. They are respectable. They are competitive. They kept it close against the Chiefs. Uh, few weeks back and that's not why I respect them but I just wanted to use that as like an example they kept it close against the Cowboys at home uh they are tough at home both of those games the Cowboys and the Chiefs were in Detroit in the dome where this game is going to be played now the difference between the Chiefs the Cowboys and the Bears is that the Chiefs and the Cowboys are actually good teams the Bears are awful I hate the Chicago Bears right now there is not a team in the NFL that I might be lower on than the Chicago Bears I like the Lions to win this game at, at home. And they're not even healthy. Like, Matthew Stafford is not playing. And I think the Lions, I feel pretty comfortable picking the Lions to win at home. The Bears are not good. They still have a, a, a good defense, but they are just inept at scoring the football. And their defense isn't nearly as dominant and, and as impactful as it was last season. Right? Last season, the Bears were like this year's 49ers. They were just dominant. They were single-handedly winning games for the Bears. That's not the case this year. I don't see the Bears winning this game. I like the Lions to take the first game of the day. Now on to the second game, the climax, uh, the Bills and the Cowboys. Everyone's down in the Cowboys right now because they lost to New England, uh, and they should be. That was a, a game that the Cowboys could and sh- maybe you could say should have won. Uh, only gave up one touchdown, and now it's off of a blocked punt which put the Patriots, I want, like, in the 10-yard line. I mean, they were right there knocking on the door, and they only gave up one score. Uh, and they, the Cowboys did not score a single touchdown. And everyone's kind of burying Dak Prescott. I have, for the life of me, don't know why. Look, Dak Prescott's not Patrick Mahomes, okay? We said that before. He's not Russell Wilson, not Drew Brees. But I like Dak Prescott a lot. If you've been listening to the Crowd Noise podcast, you know that I have been injecting the Kool-Aid on Dak Prescott. Oh, man, I, I am so all in on Dak Prescott right now. It, I'm, I'm scaring myself how much I like Dak Prescott. They didn't lose that week. They didn't lose last week because of Dak. Are you kidding me? He didn't have a great game. He didn't throw for 300 yards. He didn't throw for 400 yards, which he had done in the two weeks prior. But it was cold. It was wet. It was windy. It was nasty conditions in New England. And the Cowboys were running the ball pretty well against the Patriots. I think Ezekiel Elliott averaged four yards a carry that game. He wasn't running wild. He wasn't running all over the Patriots, but he was getting positive game. Now, honestly, you know what's ironic about that? And I said this about Dak Prescott against the Vikings. In the game that they lost, that was the best game I had seen 
Ezekiel Elliott played, not in his career, but this season. That was the best Ezekiel Elliott has looked this year against the Patriots, and it was a game that they lost. So why did they lose that game? It, wasn't, it was not because of Dak Prescott. He puts on the glove. He makes an adjustment. The Patriots have a very good defense. Are you surprised that they were able to slow down Dak Prescott? They have shut down everyone that they have faced outside of Lamar Jackson, who is, I mean, that guy's a superstar. He's dynamic. MV, MVP. It's the only guy that they haven't been able to shut down. So don't put this game on Dak Prescott. He played very well for these circumstances. You put this on Jason Garrett. Six times the Cowboys had a third down scenario where they was, it was third down and three or less. Okay? Ezekiel Elliott averaged four yards a carry on Sunday night against the Patriots. And six times they had an opportunity with third down and three. You want to know how many times they ran the ball? Zero. Out of six opportunities where they were in a third down and three or less, situation they threw all six times and they missed all six conversions now i know you're screaming well that's Dak prescott they're throwing the ball he's the quarterback why it's not Dak prescott this is jason garrett sometimes you have to protect yourself from yourself specifically on their last drive they faced a third and one and i think that was the same drive or it was the same drive as the tripping call that was on fourth down was the tripping call it should have never gotten to that scenario it should have never gotten there. They were on a third and one opportunity and they throw the ball rather than going to Zeke Elliott who was averaging four yards a carry on Sunday night and they wanted to throw the ball. Dak Prescott, for all what, for what he had to work with, played, I think, fairly well. And I think he only had 100 yards or something like that. But again, that game was ugly. What was the final score? 13 to six or something like that? It was a nasty game. The Patriots weren't scoring. Their only touchdown was a give me, a gift from the Dallas Cowboys. So it's not like uh, Dak was outplayed. And it's not like the games that the Cowboys have lost and they, they're winless against teams with a winning record. It's visible. I'm going to tell you right now, it is visible when you're losing games because of the quarterback. It is obvious. Don't believe me? Why don't you put on some Nathan Peterman highlights and compare that guy to Dak Prescott and tell me which quarterback you think is better. It's obvious when you're losing because of your quarterback. That is not the case because of the Dallas Cowboys. Or that's not the case with the Dallas Cowboys, I should say. Jason Garrett, play calling. Six times you had an opportunity to, uh, to get a first down with third down and three, and all six times you throw the ball. It makes no sense. They get the Bills this week uh, at home. Sorry, I just went all in on the Cowboys right now, but I'm kind of frustrated by that. Everyone's killing Dak, and I've become the biggest Dak supporter right now um, in the world, maybe. And everyone's killing him, and I, it's, I, don't, I think it's unfair. I think that you have to put that loss on Jason Garrett. I think they will win this week. Uh, at home the bills are a very good team the cowboys will finally get that win um against a win uh a opponent with a winning record and then people are going to go off on twitter like they just won the super bowl but they should win this game they're coming off of a pretty ugly loss maybe a game that they should have won short week at home i think they'll defer more to ezekiel elliott uh on thanksgiving when they do play this game i i think they should win this game and they traditionally play well on Thanksgiving. It's a tradition for the Cowboys to always play on Thursday and Thanksgiving, and they usually come to play. Um, I, I think they'll get the, the job done uh, today, afternoon. And then finally, the nightcap. 
We're going to make this one quick because I already did. I did like a, I spent a lot of time on the Cowboys. Um, and I did that intentionally because I wasn't going to go dive in on the Saints and Falcons. The Saints are going to win this football game. Convince me otherwise. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see how the Falcons are going to win this game. Thursday night, uh, even though they're at home, they've been playing well. The Saints are coming to town. I mean, there's no, they're not winning this game. The Saints, they're, they're, they're taking this. So there are your picks for uh, Thursday, tonight, today, uh, last Thursday. Whenever you're listening to this, there are your picks uh, for Thanksgiving. Now, on to a segment that I'm kind of looking forward to a little bit. Since it is Thanksgiving, and not enough people do this. When people hear Thanksgiving, they just look forward to eating, and then that's it. They stop right there. That's only part of the holiday. Why is it called Thanksgiving? Otherwise, it would have just been called Big Potluck Thursday, okay? There's a reason why it's called Thanksgiving. You're supposed to give thanks and remind yourself about all the things in life that you have and and be grateful for the things that you have in life, right? We give thanks. I'm going to give you the things that I am most thankful for in sports today. I know it's, it's a very... Um, common idea, I guess. Like you have preschoolers who who make like the little turkey hand thing, and they write the five things they're most thankful for. It's a very simple concept, but I think that's why people overlook it. They kind of think, well, that's for kids. Where who cares? I'm thankful for this meal. Leave me alone. I'm trying to eat, watch the cowboy game. It's Thanksgiving. You're supposed to give the things that you're most thankful for, and that's what we're gonna do. I think we need to get back to our holiday roots and actually participate in this holiday, Thanksgiving. So that's what we're going to be doing today. Telling you what I am most thankful for in sports. And I would invite you to share with your peers and your family members and friends what you are most thankful for because at that point, it's going to be such an awkward conversation that they will have no choice but to tell you what they're most thankful for. And that's how you have conversation. Okay, I figured that out on WikiHow. You have a conversation this way. And so here we go. What I am most thankful for in sports. And I made it easy on myself because I did not rank these. So it's going to be hard for me to uh, go over my notes. But, you know, I'm not thankful for my notes, unfortunately. Uh, Here we go. And this is a whole amalgamation of players, teams, people in sports, shows. Um, And this isn't, again, I didn't order these. So they're not like, this is what I'm most thankful for. This is what I'm least thankful for. No, this, these are just the things that I am thankful for, among others. Again, I'm not going to list every single thing because I, I, I couldn't imagine how I would list everything I'm thankful for in sports. But these are just, I guess, the S tier of things in sports that I'm thankful for. So here we go. Finally. Anthony Day. I am thankful for, again, we have to, we have to do it correctly, right? You have to use your, your template and put it on your turkey hand. I am thankful for Anthony Davis playing for the Los Angeles Lakers. Tell me that the the NBA is not better off with Anthony Davis on the Lakers than they would be with Anthony Davis on the Pelicans. He had tried it seven different times playing with the Pelicans. And only once did he win a playoff series. And his reward for that was getting to play against the Golden State Warriors. It was not interesting. Anthony Davis was still an exciting, dynamic player. He's a superstar. And we, only, we never got to see him. His games were never on TV. We, never, we only saw him once in the postseason. And keep in mind, that one postseason series win that they had was a monster upset. It was a shock 
that they beat the Portland Trail Blazers. They had Dame and McCollum, and I mean, it, it was it was a huge shock that they beat Portland. So they weren't even really supposed to win that series. We never saw or heard from Anthony Davis. Now he's on TV all the time. He's playing on a team that actually has a chance to win something that should win something. And oh, by the way, it's not just about Anthony Davis. He has revitalized this this latest chapter in LeBron's career. LeBron missed the playoffs last year. And he looked, quite frankly, at times disinterested. When you watched him play, he looked like he'd rather be anywhere else than sharing the court with Lonzo Ball. And can you blame him, really? Um, and now he has Anthony Davis, and he brings in the whole the whole gang with him. Avery Bradley, Danny Green. You know, the, the new cast that they have, the supporting cast. And they have the best record in the National Basketball Association. Tell me the league isn't better off with the Lakers being one of the most exciting teams in the league. It's been a while since we've been able to say that and actually mean it. Because every year people try to convince me that the Lakers are they're on the come up, they're exciting, they're back, and then they're, they're terrible, right? And people tried to sell me on Lonzo Ball. I was not having it. But now the Lakers are actually good. They're really good and they're fun to watch. So I'm thankful for Anthony Davis uh, getting traded or forcing his way onto the LA Lakers. And I hope he resigns because, again, I'd love to have this for the next five, six, seven, eight years. I, I, I love this. This is great for the league. Tell me Adam Silver doesn't want the Lakers to be popular. And they're in demand as well. They're on TV all the time. Uh, next, I guess we'll keep it in the NBA, uh, Luka Doncic. I am very thankful for Luka Doncic. Very exciting young player. And again, it's better for the league. Why do I say that? Now, the Dallas Mavericks are not anywhere even close to the brand that the LA Lakers are. I get that. But they are in a big market. They do play in Dallas. Okay, The league wants its big market teams to be good. They can say they don't care and they want the small market teams to be good. They don't. Okay, Because why are they small market teams? They don't bring in nearly the same number amount of revenue that... Cities like L.A., Dallas, Houston, Miami, New York. I'm probably missing a few, but you get the point I'm trying to make. The big cities, they're big markets for a reason. The NBA wants these teams to be good. And Luka Doncic is maybe the most exciting player in basketball right now. He's must-watch television. He's, he's, he has a fun play style as well. He's not the downhill super athletic like Russell Wilson the John early years of John Wall, Derrick Rose, he's none of those players. But he knows how to play the game. He's more, uh, more of a tacticianist, right? He plays the game more fundamental. Um, he's got a great, and he's got the Steph Curry shot still. He's got the dynamic passing of, of Jokic. He's a great personality. He cracks some jokes, talks some trash. I am so thankful for Luka Doncic. And to remind you, it's only his second year in the league. He's going to be around for years to come. It's going to be lots of fun watching Luka Doncic. Similar to how why I'm thankful to uh, thankful for Anthony Davis. I want to see this for uh, a while. I want to see this for many years. And Luka Doncic, we know is going to be around for many years because it's only a second league or a second season in the league. Excuse me. Uh, he's going to be around for a while. The Mavericks are going to be a force to be reckoned with in the West for a long, long time. Don't forget they have the unicorn out there too. That's how dynamic he's been, that people are forgetting that Chris Stapps is playing for the Mavericks because it's been the Luka Doncic show. And so far, the best nickname I've heard is Don Luka. That is phenomenal. That is grade A nickname material. I'm sticking with Don Luka uh, for now. So here we go. Those are NBA 
and we're not categorizing them. That's I just wanted to keep keep the NBA together, I guess. Uh, sticking with basketball, though, uh, I'm thankful for Bill Walton. Love Bill Walton. If you do not like Bill Walton's commentary, um, you can go ahead and uh, DM me wherever you saw. If you probably saw this on Twitter, uh, you can go ahead and go ahead and send me a DM on Twitter uh, with your address because I'm going to go to your house and I'm going to break your jaw because Bill Walton is the best thing right now in sports commentary. He is. I don't. Even, I don't care who's playing. I love watching Bill Walton and listening to him talk about nothing. I mean, he just spews that that. Um, necessary nonsense like it's just it has nothing to do with basketball but he believes in what he's saying like he's actually he's not technically just shouting words out he believes in what he's saying but it has nothing to do with basketball and it just works like it's not obnoxious I don't think it's irritating and a lot of people do feel that way those people have no fun and they're not college basketball fans Bill Walton is phenomenal he's he's fantastic and I love listening to him call games or not call games Zach I should say I think it's tons of fun it makes college basketball more interesting and you can't say that he's not one of the most unique personalities in sports commentary right now I mean he's just he's just so much fun to listen to he makes games more interesting uh even bad games too because you think he's not the the varsity team uh quote unquote of the ESPN broadcasting that's uh Jay Billis he's on the um he does the really big time games. They give Bill Walton. He does the Pac-12 games and in the Maui Gym uh, tournament, he did some really awful games. The Michigan State Georgia one that became a very competitive game, but at halftime it was a 28 point game. Uh, Michigan State was killing Georgia, and he made that game entertaining. Now Anthony Edwards had his fair share of making that game entertaining. That boy went off, but Bill Walton was keeping it interesting. Uh, until Anthony Edwards uh, realized that he had a basketball game to play and he started balling out. So I am thankful for Bill Walton. So much fun to listen to. Uh, And I am also thankful for March Madness. Now, it's a long way away from March Madness. We're in November now. March is way down the road in, in 2020, in the next decade. But March Madness is so much fun. And now most of, most of the, the entries on our most thankful list are just... They're just fun to watch or fun to talk about. And isn't that not the point of living is to have fun, right? Be happy. <laughs> as corny as that sounded, I like having fun when I'm watching sports. And I assume you do as well. March Madness is the best sports weekend. Year round. There is no weekend. There is no one weekend in sports that is better than March Madness. Thursday to Sunday non-stop competitive games crazy upsets and it starts at like nine in the morning and it goes till nine at night it is all day long from thursday to sunday tons of tons of fun um love watching march man then you have the bracket you're watching these games you're pulling for teams like like they're your own team i mean schools you've never even heard of you're cheering for them with your life because you picked them to get the upset and then there's other teams uh, where you pick them to win, and they're the victims of these massive upsets, and you just put your your whole bracket in the shredder. You go in your room, and you just put. I mean, you, you start crying. You looking out the window. It's raining. March man, there's nothing like it. The first, especially the first weekend, and it's the, even the rest of the tournament. 
The reason I say the first weekend specifically is because you have your bracket and after the first day or two, really, if you can make it out of the first day, that's I have some respect for you. If you can make it out of that first day, you know, you're probably not making it out of the first weekend still. And so less people, you know, they're kind of, they're not as excited about it because their bracket's messed up. But if you're a true uh, basketball fan, you're still all in on the tournament for every single game. Just look at last year, Virginia, they go from losing to uh, the first ever team, number one seed, to lose to a 16-seeded team. They come back a year later and they win the national championship in dramatic fashion, by the way. Oh, their last three games, I mean, were just classic. All three of their games, the last three games that they won were classics. I mean, on the edge of your seat type material. March Madness, nothing like it. Uh, what I am also thankful for inside the NBA. Similar to Bill Walton, this show almost has nothing to do with the game of basketball, and yet it is must-see television. I could watch... I want to paint a picture for you. This is how entertaining Inside the NBA is. I could literally watch reruns of that show. And like... uh, Reruns of Sports Center, like when you see one that's already been taped and they're replaying it, it is unwatchable. I will turn the TV off before I watch a rerun of Sports Center. I could watch year old, I mean, episodes that are years old from inside the NBA and, and laugh in hysteria. One of the best shows, not just sports shows, it's one of the best television shows on TV. I mean, need I say more? I mean, inside the NBA is. is is tons of fun. I'm gonna try and find out, a, uh, find a different um, analogy uh, than it's tons of fun because I keep saying that. But I am thankful for things that that are fun. I like to have fun. You can hate me if you want to, but I enjoy laughing. Okay, I do. I like it. I like liking things. Okay, you can hate me for that if you want. But Shaq, Chuck, Kenny, Ernie. I mean, and then there's always this, the stat of the night is, is great. And what makes that show so fantastic is um. They're not even, it's, it's just random conversation. You have to watch the show because if not, you will miss what makes that show the best. It's just the, the, the riffing, like the, the, the elbow, the, um, what am I, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm getting so far ahead of myself because I'm just thinking about this show uh, too much. It's just the riffing, like the improv between the guys, like the jabs that they take at each other, um, like the the one-liners that they throw at each other, the darts. That's what makes that show so great. And that's not planned. None of that is planned. They do have at the end of the night uh, the stat of the night, which is that it's like a fun segment that literally has nothing to do with basketball. But I don't. I love it. It's, it's, they close out the show every single week with like a fun gag or something like that. And that's not even the best part. The best part is the improv and the darts that they throw at each other. And none, like I said, none of that is planned. You have to watch the show because if not, you're gonna miss the best jokes. Um, you're going to miss the best jokes from the show if you don't watch every single Thursday. Love Inside the NBA. And finally, uh, and again, these aren't in any, this this isn't in order. I didn't rank these. This is what I'm most thankful for. This is what I'm least thankful for. It's just, this happens to be the last one we're talking about. But I am thankful for young quarterbacks in the National Football League, specifically. And uh, maybe some of these guys aren't, "Quote unquote young, like young prospects, but they are. They do have many years to come in the NFL. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, and Patrick Mahomes. All those guys are must see TV. I mean, what Lamar Jackson is doing, and I hate the term video game numbers. It's so dumb. That's that's something that old people like who don't really know what video games are. 
That's just something they throw out there to, like, to appeal to the younger crowd. No, Lamar Jackson is actually doing stuff that you only see in Madden. He's just toying with people. Right now, I mean, the NFL has no answer for Lamar Jackson. Need I say more? And I hope to God they don't put him on the, uh, the cover of Madden next season. Let us enjoy this, please. Like, please let us enjoy Lamar Jackson. Don't take this away from us. Do not put Lamar Jackson on Madden. Please. Not even Pat Mahomes was immune uh, to the Madden curse. And he's not playing bad. Pat Mahomes is still, I mean, he's he's still a showstopper. But they're not nearly as dynamic are the Chiefs as they were last season. I mean, come on. You can't compare the two years. Do not put Lamar Jackson on Madden. Like, please, like, put anyone. Put a punter on Madden. Why don't you give them some love? There's never been a punter on the cover of Madden. Why don't we, make, why don't we break that streak? Make the first ever punter. I'd rather see that than, than Lamar Jackson. We have nothing to lose if we put a punter on, on Madden. But we have everything to lose if we put Lamar Jackson on Madden. We need to protect him at all costs. You have Russell Wilson, another superstar, another dynamic player. Makes it happen with his feet. Makes it happen with his arm. Makes it happen with his brain. Very smart player. Uh, and the Seahawks are they're Super Bowl contenders again. They're amongst the upper echelon, the elite in the NFC. They're one of the better teams in all of football, by the way. Russell Wilson. Dak Prescott um, kind of has a little bit of a ceiling because of the situation he has. And not that he doesn't have talent. I mean, the Cowboys are one of the most talented teams in the league. But they do have Jason Garrett and they do have Jerry Jones. That is going to cap anyone. And even still, Dak Prescott, one of the more fun, I think one of the more underrated quarterbacks to watch in all of the game of football. He makes plays. He's a true captain in every sense of the word. He says everything you would possibly want um, a quarterback to say in, in to the media, in, in press conferences, post-game interviews. I mean, there's no better person to lead a team that's as uh, chaotic as the Dallas Cowboys, then Dak Prescott. Fantastic. I love all those guys. So that is what I am most thankful for in sports. All those things that I just said. I'm not going to say them again. But that's what I am most thankful for this year. Not even this year, but I mean just in sports uh, in general. Love all these things. Love all these people. And they make sports a lot of get ready for this fun to watch. So now let's close out the show real strong. We do this every single week. We find the best quotes that I heard throughout the week, and we call it the quote of the week. So here we go. Quote of the week, Thanksgiving edition. And it's somewhat uh, Thanksgiving related, I guess you could say. Quote, I'm not known as a guy who gets hand cramps when writing checks, but I want to win some football games. Jerry Jones on Dak Prescott's contract. Now, this quote makes no sense because I don't understand it. If you do, uh, that means you're legally insane, as is Jerry Jones. Like, I don't get this quote. It doesn't make any sense. I've never known anyone to get hand cramps when writing checks. I don't know people who write checks anymore. I mean, this is this quote is kind of bananas. The only reason I knew they were talking about Dak Prescott is because I saw it on SportsCenter's Instagram, I believe, and they posted a picture of Dak Prescott. So that was the only way I knew he was even talking about Dak to begin with. But I wanted to dissect it. The quote makes no sense, but we're going to talk about Dak and his contract and the Cowboy. I know this is a really Cowboy-heavy episode. Did not intend for that to be the case, but uh, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. That was not the intention, but today's actually pretty uh, Cowboy-heavy. 
again, I will say this. I will reiterate the point I made when picking the Cowboys to win against the Bills. They are not losing games because of Dak Prescott. If this was a Dak Prescott issue, it would be visible. It would be very clear that there is a quarterback issue. And if you don't believe me, watch a Denver Broncos game. I mean, watch a Cincinnati Bengals game. It's obvious when the quarterback is the issue for teams. It is not the case for the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott has earned every penny of the huge contract he deserves coming this offseason. The problem with the Dallas Cowboys is the head coaching or the head coach and the coaching staff, the, the rest of them as well. They got to get rid of Jason Garrett and the rest of his staff. Maybe Kellen Moore. I don't even know. Everyone likes Kellen Moore because he's young. He hasn't. I mean, who cares about Kellen Moore? What has he done? What has Kellen Moore done really to prove himself like, yeah, he deserves to stick around? If whatever coach they want to bring in says, I don't want to get rid of Kellen or I don't, I don't want Kellen Moore, you got to ask him, get rid of Kellen Moore. He's not that valuable. He's done a better job than Jason Garrett, but that is not saying much. Kellen Moore. Uh, I mean, I don't hate him, but I don't really like him so much to say we have to keep him at all costs. Let's make him the next head coach because that's what J- that's what happened to Jason Garrett was the star young offensive coordinator, and look where that has gotten the Dallas Cowboys over the past ten years. I mean, it, the time is done; it's over. I mean, I don't even. This shouldn't even be sad in Cowboy and Jerry world. This shouldn't be a surprise. Jason Garrett got to go. I think he definitely puts a ceiling on that team. The issue is not Dak Prescott. It, it truly isn't. And like I just said in the thankful segment, he's a captain, okay? He's a franchise leader, does everything you want someone to do when managing and leading a team, especially in a franchise that is as chaotic as the Dallas Cowboys. Imagine if Baker Mayfield was the, was the quarterback for the Cowboys. Definitely would be a lot better than what he is in Cleveland because, again, they have a better offensive line. They got a better personnel um, but then think about if you, like he plays for the Browns currently, Baker Mayfield does, uh, and he's in the news every single week because of feuds he has with the media. Imagine what that'd be if you dialed that to 1,000 because it would be magnified in Dallas. Dallas is the premier football city because it's the Cowboys and they're the biggest brand in football. Could you imagine what kind of a mess the Cowboys would be in? If they had Baker Mayfield, and again, it's not like they pass on Baker Mayfield or anything like that. Just think about the analogy. As much as Baker Mayfield likes to pop off and run his mouth, which actually I don't, I don't hate. I don't mind that. Like I'm, I'm not against trash talkers. I'm really not. But just th- like in, in, in different scenarios, not all trash talk is created equal. Just think about what it would be like if he played in a media market like Dallas with, under an owner like Jerry Jones, who is popping off at the media himself every single week. Dak Prescott is the He's the guy. I am all in on Dak Prescott. I am down in the Kool-Aid. I mean, and again, it's scaring me how much I'm all in on Dak Prescott, but he's the guy. Doesn't have the proper coach, though. They need There needs to be an adjustment. And currently, the odds-on favorite, which is kind of strange, the odds-on favorite to win the Dallas Cowboy head coaching job is Urban Meyer, no longer in the running really, uh, for the USC job. Not that he pulled himself out or, or the USC doesn't want him, or it actually, yeah, uh, USC actually starting to think that they want to retain Clay Helton. That's a different story. We're not even going to open up that can of worms yet. But uh, Urban Meyer, the odds-on favorite to win. behind him, Josh McDaniels. I'd like to see Lincoln Riley. I'd, I'd love to see Lincoln Riley take over that team because uh, we see what he's done with aforementioned uh, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts. 
And Dak Prescott, I mean, is, is a phenomenal player. You'd say he's better than all three of those guys put together. Dak Prescott is fantastic. I think if Lincoln Riley took, took over that team, he would shoot Dak Prescott and the Cowboys into the stratosphere. I think he'd unlock that entire franchise. Um, currently not amongst the odds or the favorites uh, amongst the wise guys in the desert uh, to win that job. But Urban Meyer, great coach, obviously, but he's never had a job in the NFL, so there'd be some question marks with that. But I will say this final point, and I think I've already said this point 40 times, but Dak Prescott, not the issue with the Cowboys. It, it's, the head, it's the coaching staff. Again, it was evidenced against the Patriots. You get six opportunities, third and three or less, and you throw all six times when you have a workhorse Ezekiel Elliott. As much as I like Dak Prescott, there is such a thing as called um, play calling and strategy, not the best strategy, to throw the ball when it's 40 degrees and it's pouring freezing rain from the sky. It's not the best formula, not the best strategy to win football games. They need a new coach. I personally think Lincoln Riley is the guy, but I'm not in charge, so here we are. That is going to bring us to the end of this Thanksgiving edition of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I really appreciate you guys uh, stopping by and sticking around, especially if you're listening on Thanksgiving. Super appreciate that. Wish you guys a very happy Thanksgiving. If you're listening to this uh, post-Thursday, I hope you had a very nice, uh, enjoyable Thanksgiving. I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for stopping by.